Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. I encourage you to try some different things in your relationship with the Lord. If your devotions are dry, try a different approach to devotions. If your prayer life doesn't seem to be where you really want it to be, try a different approach to your prayers. If Bible study seems to be coming dry and you're going, well, you know, I'm not just, I'm not being fed anymore, then get a different fork and a different knife and a different plate and come with a readiness of heart. Because I'll tell you, if you allow your heart to get hard, then the enemy's going to use that to push you away from the very things that are in you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hi there, and welcome to the midweek edition of Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is about to pick up what we left off in Romans chapter 1. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Maybe you have to think long and hard to come up with an answer, as it's been quite some time. And if you're like many, you shy away from sharing it out of fear of what others might think or say. Today, we'll be encouraged to be bold and unashamed as we proclaim the gospel, just as the Apostle Paul was. Well, do take your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 14 where we left off last time. We're studying through the book of Romans, pausing where necessary, allowing God to really speak to our hearts in relation to this wonderful gospel of grace. And great freedom will come to us, great encouragement will come upon us as we study this beautiful book. And you think about boldness, we all want boldness, right? You want boldness in your life, boldness to do the right thing, boldness to say the right thing, boldness to stand up for what is right, but there are a lot of enemies to boldness. I'll name just a few. Being ashamed is an enemy of boldness. Being embarrassed, being afraid, being a little bit intimidated. If you're a little shyer than most, then that's an enemy to boldness. Being timid. I think we all want to be bold, but there's so many things out there that cause us to shy away, especially in light of the gospel. Especially in light of the gospel where we want to share the gospel. God opens open doors for us. He, he, get, he says, go, I want you to run through this door and tell them about Jesus. But sometimes we don't go through the door. And it's usually because we're afraid or ashamed or timid or shy or embarrassed or even a little bit intimidated. Well, Paul says today that he's not ashamed of the gospel. That as much as is in him, he wants to go to Rome. And he's not ashamed. He's encouraged. We want the boldness of the early church, the believers that are our brothers and sisters in the Lord that came before us when the government came against them and they brought them, the religious rulers came and said, I don't want you to teach the gospel anymore, anywhere. They go back to believers. They call a prayer meeting. You know what they pray for? Boldness. You can pray for boldness. It's not something where you have to always hide behind shyness and intimidation. You don't always have to be afraid. As they were grilled for the message that they were spreading, they tried to intimidate them. We're going to kill you if you continue to share. We're going to destroy you. And instead they come together and boldness. Well, look at verse 14. As Paul opens up and writing in this introduction to the letter, he says, I'm a debtor. 
Right, right away, he begins to look back on this debt that he owes. Oh, it's not a debt that where he's earning his salvation or he's got to keep working in order to be in God's favor. Nothing like that. He just realizes that apart from Jesus Christ, he'd be lost. And because of Jesus Christ, he's not lost. And so part of his life now is like, you know what? I'm a debtor. I want to spend my entire life bringing other lost people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a debtor. I'm so thankful what the Lord has done in my life. I'm so thankful that I'm not going in the direction that I used to go to. I'm so thankful that my life isn't destroyed. I'm so thankful that, that I'm not completely gone. And so I'm a debtor. And who's he's a debtor to? Both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. And you want to paraphrase that, Paul, he just says, look, I'm a debtor to everyone. There is no one that I don't want to reach. I don't want to reach the ones that are very, very smart. I don't, want to re- I, don't, I don't want to skip out on the ones that are very, very smart or the ones that may not be very, very smart. I don't want to skip out on the refined ones, the Greeks or the barbarians that aren't so refined. I don't want to skip out on the ones that, that seem to need Jesus and I don't want to skip out on the ones that seem to think they don't need Jesus. I'm a debtor. So, verse 15, as much as is in me. You might just want to mark that because it's important to ask the question, what is in you? What kind of passions firing up in your heart in the innermost person? What is in you? Because I'll tell you, the world wants to put things in you. And, and it does continually, always trying to fill your mind with junk, to fill your heart with discouragement, to bring you away from a vibrancy with the things of Jesus. So as much as is in me, with Paul, we know it's in him. It's this desire to serve and to please the Lord. What's in you? I can tell you what's in you if you tell me what you watch. If you list to me what you watch, I'll tell you what's in you. I can tell what's in you if you tell me what you read. You know, if you told me what you think about every day, I could tell you what's in you. As a matter of fact, if I get you in a conversation and I can get you talking long enough, you know what I'll find out? What's in the very core of your heart. You know why? Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I encourage you to try some different things in your relationship with the Lord. If your devotions are dry, try a different approach to devotions. If your prayer life doesn't seem to be where you really want it to be, try a different approach to your prayers. If Bible study seems to be coming dry and you're going, well, you know, I'm not just, I'm not being fed anymore, then get a different fork and a different knife and a different plate and come with a readiness of heart. Because I'll tell you, if you allow your heart to get hard, And the enemy's going to use that to push you away from the very things that are in you. And Paul says, as much as is in me. I I tried something different. Now, I have a habit. I bet many of you have the same exact habit. It's not a bad habit, not a sinful habit, but it's a habit nonetheless. Almost always, I go to bed right after watching the news. Sometimes it's the 9 o'clock news. Sometimes it's the 10 o'clock news. Sometimes it's the rebroadcast at 1 or 2 in the morning, whenever that is. Because I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to have have my hand on the heartbeat and the pulse of what's going on in the world, what's going on in our city. It affects my prayer life. It affects my heart. I want to know. But I'll tell you what. What I find is if I go to bed right after watching the news... Man, I could lose some sleep. Have you ever lost sleep? Tossing and turning about what's going on. It can interrupt my whole sleep pattern. It can change everything about me. You know, there are times where it will even change the whole direction of my prayer life or or I'll be so upset or so whatever that I don't even pray. And so lately I've been saying, you know what? I'm not going to bed right after the news or I might just skip the news altogether. And I've just been going to bed in the Word. 
It's not that I'm not in the Word in any other time, but this whole news thing, even if I do watch the news, I want to make sure that if I'm watching the news, I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to go to bed in the Word. I'm just, maybe I repeat. Sometimes I repeat my morning devotions at night. So it's not enough. Well, I did my devotions this morning. Maybe I missed it, and I need to start all over at night. And I go, okay. Or sometimes I'll just lay there, and I'll pray. What a mistake that is, praying on your back. You know why? Because you can start out in prayer, and your amen is at 7 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> but it's still so sweet to go to bed in prayer, to have your last words spoken of, just between you and the Lord. I mean, just what a sweet way to change what's in you. You can change what's in you. You can feed yourself spiritually. You can look at the habits of your life. They may not be sinful at all, but are they filling you with stuff that might not lead you in the right direction? You look at your habits and you go, wow, what is in me? Paul says, so as much as an enemy, verse 15, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, I've struggled sometimes with verse 16 of you. Because when you look at the entirety of your life, there are times when the fruit of your life sure does look like we're ashamed of the gospel. Where God has opened a door so wide, so beautiful, and he's pricked our hearts. It's right there. We're ready to do it. And we walk away. Don't do it. Doesn't that just bum you out? It bums me out. It happens to me far more often than I really want it to be. Oh, I love sharing the gospel. I love seeing people get saved. I love seeing people get saved at Chili's. I love seeing people get saved all over town, wherever I'm at, whatever open door I want to go through. But I have to say there are times when I don't go through the open door. And when I look at my life from that day, I go, man, what was it, Lord? Am I ashamed? Am I afraid? Am I embarrassed? Am I not spiritually equipped? What is it? It's just so silly to be ashamed of the good news, isn't it? I mean, when you start analyzing, you're like, why? I live today because of Jesus. Why am I ashamed? And then I have to be careful, just like you do, not to be condemned. Well, what a horrible Christian I am. It doesn't make you a horrible Christian. You're growing in the things of the Lord. Oh, I can never really be all that God wanted me to be because I didn't walk through this open door. No, just ask for the Lord's forgiveness and go through the next door. Okay, just go through the next one. They say, Lord, open another one. And, and just go around and say, are you the open door? Are you the open door? I don't know. Just go around and start talking about Maybe at work, you know, sometimes you can be so ashamed. There you are. You're in the boardroom. You're in the meeting. You know you should speak up. You know this is wrong. You know it's an open door. But in the boardroom, uh, I don't want to say anything. And then usually we'll say something like, next time. Next time. And there you are in your neighborhood block party and you get together, you close the block off, you're all help having fun with one another, barbecuing with one another, and you can sense this is really it. This is the time. And you don't do it, oh, maybe next time, maybe next time. And listen, what we do to ourselves is we say, maybe next time, maybe next time, maybe next time, maybe next time. And so I'm asking you to do, when is going to be the next time? When is it? When's it going to be? Because we keep pushing it off, don't we? The next time I would say is the next time. <laughs> it's like, oh, Lord. You know, I have a past. Do you have a past? Anybody have a past? I have a past. You know what? Let me tell you something about my past. I'm not proud of it. From time to time, I'll give you a little piece of it. I'll share it. And because it's so dumb and so just how can a person live his life like that? We'll kind of chuckle at it and we'll be saying, God, thank you for saving Ed. He was so messed up. <laughs> but you know what? I'm ashamed of my past. I don't take glory in it. You know, sometimes I'll share something with you right here and it'll take me all the way back. I'll be right there. But then I'll remember, you know what? 
I can't stay back there. I don't live there. As a matter of fact, that person back there is dead. He's been buried with Christ. He rose again. He's a new creation in Christ. I don't share my testimony. We don't have testimony times as a church for us to glory in our past. I'm ashamed of my past. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. There's nothing to be shamed about of the gospel. It's good news. Isn't it good news? It's great news. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul had a lot to fear in going to Rome. It wasn't a popular time in Rome for Christians. Paul going to Rome wasn't the same as you and I hopping a plane, going to Orlando, Florida, to Disney World, and enjoying a week and sharing the gospel with people in line. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Because during this time, Christians were being killed. They were being sewn into animal skins and fled to the lions. They were being dipped in pitch and impaled and lighting up the gardens of Nero. They were being brought in by the hundreds to take a pinch of incense and bow the knee. All they needed to do was bow the knee once to Caesar because Caesar worship was rampant. Caesar was the God of Rome at this time. And all they needed to do was one little knee bow, just like Daniel and his friends were told to do. And when Christians would say no, which they did, they were quickly destroyed. You know, I even read that Nero was taking Christians and putting them into the hull of ships, taking the ships out to sea and purposefully sinking those ships, drowning the Christians alive. That's what Paul says. I want to go to Rome. I know it's not going to be a holiday. I know it's not going to be a vacation. I want to go to Rome. I know Caesar's not going to, I know they're not going to like me. I know I'm not going to be well received. And to think of the message. You've got Paul here. He's a short Man in stature, not incredibly articulate, he says of his own words. He's just a Jewish tent maker going to Rome, this huge city, to preach a message about a poor Jewish carpenter. And he says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of one bit of this message at all. I'm a debtor. I'm ready. And Paul knew the message not because someone taught it to him, but because he lived it out. So that now the gospel coming from Paul is actually the gospel coming through Paul, just as it is with you and me. You'll notice as you study through Romans that 20 times the word save or saved is used in this section of scripture. And it's the essence of salvation. As you see that the message, the gospel, is not anything to be ashamed about. Literally the word saved means to be rescued or to be delivered. That's what it means. And what are we delivered from? We'll jump to verse 18, and we'll see. We'll get to this in a couple weeks. In verse 18, chapter 1, the wrath of God. You know why? Because sin is serious. And sin in a person's life, apart from repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, will bring the wrath of God upon your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that apart from Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is already upon your life right here in this room or listening in via the radio or on this CD or MP3, you are living under the judgment of God right now. And God, he offers you the good news. The good news is that you can be delivered from the wrath of God, that your sins can be forgiven, that by repentance, turning away, that's all the word repentance means. It means to turn away and to turn to God. It's by faith, believing the message of the gospel. The gospel is good news. Good news. It's not bad news. Well, Pastor Ed, sin is bad news. Sin is bad news. But with the bad news of sin, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then God, he so loved you that he sent his only begotten son 
that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In just a few moments, you'll have the opportunity to make a decision based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart to have your sins forgiven, for you to be rescued and delivered from the wrath of God. We're going to spend a whole Sunday on the wrath of God. You got to be here for that. Don't say, I'm not telling you which Sunday. You got to be here for it. Because the wrath of God's not a popular message today, is it? But I'll tell you what, it's an important part of the gospel. You need to understand the wrath of God in order to understand the goodness of his gift, of his free will gift through grace of salvation. And although God's grace can't be earned or deserved, and salvation is a totally free gift, and there's nothing we could ever do to pay for it, Paul still felt indebted to God to share this wonderful message. And we're so grateful that he did. So what's the deal with us being so afraid, being so intimidated, being so shy? Let me tell you, you don't need to be like Paul the Apostle in order to share the gospel. Because sometimes we'll look at Paul and go, that guy was a firecracker. He never stopped, never gave up. He was an A-type personality. Some of you might be a types. Some of you might know A types. Some of you might be B types, Z types. I don't know what types they are. You don't have to be an A type personality. You don't have to have a day timer and uh, six cell phones. And you, you know, you, you don't have to be that way at all to share the gospel. I mean, if you are that way, that's okay. God can use you. But if you're not that way, that's okay. God can use you. He can use you if you're a little bit more shy. He can use you if you're a little bit less outgoing. So we don't need to be Paul. We can be whoever we want. But I'll tell you what, to the degree of what's in you will be the degree of your passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to fill ourselves with that excitement of the gospel changing lives. Flip over to 2 Kings for a second. I want to show you a story that really illustrates this excitement that we need to have. We need to take a step of faith. We need to step out beyond what makes us very comfortable, beyond the ease of our life. We might need to step out in the boardroom. We might need to step out in the neighborhood. We might need to step out at King Supers or Safeway or Chili's or Macaroni Grill. We may need to step out as we're driving through the drive-thru or at the car wash. We may need to step out at school. We may need to step out. And, and we see this beautiful picture here in 2 Kings chapter 7. Notice. During this time of great famine, we have in verse 3 these leprous men. 2 Kings 7, verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? They've just come to the conclusion, look, there's more to live in life than what we're living right now. And it's a hopeless condition. For being touched with leprosy, was no, there was no cure for that. They're, they're done. It's over. They're ostracized from society. They can't be near anyone. They have to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. They have to live in leper colonies. And they are sitting around talking about this because they're only friends or other lepers. And they're like, what are we doing? Why are we sitting here? Why are we doing nothing? Why are we not out more? Why aren't we doing something? And he says in verse 4, if we say we will enter the city, the famine's in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. They're weighing their options here. I want to bring the picture home for a second to sharing the gospel. Here we are sitting here. Why don't we just share the gospel? I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? I go and share the gospel. They say, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. Or we go and share the gospel and they go, oh, I've been waiting. I did. Oh, I'm glad that God sent you because I've been praying. I've been asking God up there. Some send me someone that can explain to me why I feel so empty inside. And you're weighing your options. Which way to go? Neither way. Either way, they're starting to think. And then they pick up in verse 5. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. 
For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Verse 7, Therefore they arose and fled in twilight and left the camp intact, their tents and their horses and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Wow. So the lepers are sitting there. They're like, hey, let's weigh our options here. We hang around here, we're going to die. We go in there, we're going to die. But just maybe there's something awaiting us. Let's just go find out. And now that they come to the camp, they realize it's empty. Is something special going to happen? I think so. Look. Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it the silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. They hit a jackpot. They would have never hit this jackpot if they were still away from the camp, but because they started thinking about it, because they started reasoning about it, because they said, you know, let's just get up. Well, they get up, they go to the tent, they eat, they drink, they got gold, they got clothes, they can't do anything with it. Nobody's going to buy it from them, but that doesn't matter. And it says, and they went and hid them, and they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also, and they went and hid it. And they said to one another, listen, we are not doing what is right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. Would you just mark that? Because I'll tell you, today is a much bigger day of good news than what the lepers found in the Syrian camp. And it's just not good that we remain silent about it. It's just not good. It's just not the right thing to do. It's not good to be involved in this great day of salvation. And we need to come to the same conclusion that these guys did. Look, it's not good. It's not good that we're not sharing. It's not good. And yeah, we don't need to let the enemy condemn us. Oh, you're not good. No, that's not what this is saying at all. The fact that we're not sharing and engaging people in our culture in the last days in which we live, it's just not good, guys. We need to be engaging them and loving them. And, it, and they say they come to the right conclusion. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went. And that's my heart here in this section of Romans chapter 1, that we would go because today is the day of good news. Jesus Christ has come, and it's not enough just to sit around and be happy that we're saved. Yahoo! We're saved! Yay for me! But wasn't it someone that told you about Jesus Christ? Was it your parents taking you to church as a young child? Was it a friend at work that saw how messed up you were and said, hey, you're messed up? <laughs> and you're like, inside, you're like, you know what? You're right. I mean, I, I don't want anybody really to know that, but since you know it, I, I'll talk to you about it. And through that, so oh, come on out and see Jesus. Come on here, a message about Jesus. Come on out and here's a Bible and here's a track and everything that we can possibly do to share with them. God loves this world and he sent his only begotten son into this world. And we, uh, you can look at your life as being, you know, the Holy Spirit's dwelling. Jesus is in you. And the only way people are going to see Jesus is by seeing you. And so maybe you can look at your life right now and say, okay, your life is like a window. And they see through your life, and what they see through your life is they see Jesus, or our windows are so dirty that they don't see anything at all. And you got to get out the, clean all the windows up and say, okay, Lord, I, I want to have this heart like Paul has. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, and what you heard today is part of our series in Romans. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, you just encouraged us to pray for boldness in this area of sharing the gospel. So why don't we do that together right now? Would you please lead us? I'd love to, Larry. Father, I just pray that we would have the boldness that's needed 
in order to get the gospel going forth, not just in general, but through our own lips, right? Like, God, we want to be men and women who walk in the gospel, and as we're walking in the gospel, abiding in Jesus, that it naturally flows from our lives. And we're, Lord, help us to build a bridge uh, from where a person is uh, to where you are, and then to gently walk them across. And it's, it's how we got, it's how I got saved. Somebody shared the gospel with me. And so, Father, use us in these last days that we might have testimony after testimony after testimony of your good news going forth from our lives and people literally getting changed and being transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, be sure to request Jesus Revolution by Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn. You'll be encouraged as you hear how God transformed an unlikely generation and how He can most certainly do it again. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE, and we'll gladly take your request. That's 877-30-GRACE. Then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.